It seemed like the Tigers were a lot more in unison, and it looked like we were watching a 2018 or a 2019 or a 2016 Clemson Tiger football game. And Matthew mentioned a little bit with the play calling as well. I don't think that the play calling was vastly different. I actually think that it was pretty similar. Um, and I think that K. Clemson just executes the offense in a different manner. You know? On today's episode, Faxon Childress joins the show. We discuss Clemson's 27th conference championship. DJ Ngalale, among others, has hit in the transfer portal, and this team is now K Klubniks. We also discuss bowl season, the Army Navy game, and much more on this week's episode of the College Football Show. This is the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show, presented by Nachos and Analysis. Welcome to episode 16 of the Nachos and Analysis College Football Show. Today is December Thursday, December 8th, and the Tigers make the switch to K. Klubnik on their way to the program's 27th conference championship. I'm your host, Drew Archer, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matthew Johnson. I told Matthew before this show... Hopefully I don't sound too bad. Um, a little under the weather. If uh, Deshaun Watson can play a game and, and beat the Gamecocks on a torn ACL, I can fight through this. Uh, this will be, be my flu game. So how's it going, Matthew? <laughs> Drew's going for 72 tonight. Or no, he only dropped like 44 in the flu game. Uh, some crazy number. Drew's dropping 44 tonight, um, but it's going good. Uh First off, I did want to clarify last week on the South Carolina episode, I was wrong in one of the stats I kept repeating. I miscalculated in my own head my stat. DJ was 7 for 25 entering the fourth quarter. I kept saying that he was 7 for 33 entering the fourth quarter, but he only finished the game 7 for 29. So that was impossible. (laughs) I just, whenever I was doing the stats in my head, I messed it up. But uh, also, I did also want to just have one random thought while I was like typing out my notes from the game on Saturday. I had this random thought that uh, have we ever considered, when I say we, I'm talking about Clemson football, not nachos and analysis. Have we ever considered how much better our scout team would be if the back half of our roster wasn't the Daniel High School JV team? And I'm really hoping the youngest Sweeney or that once the youngest Sweeney is out of the Pickens County school system, uh, Dabba won't be attending Central or Daniel football games anymore. And we won't have five, seven safeties on the back half of our roster. And he might actually have to go out on the recruiting trail. Just a thought, <laughs> just a random thought to start the episode. <laughs> there, the uh, the end of the fourth quarter, I I looked at facts and I'm like, I do not know who any of these people are. There were a bunch <laughs> of short white dudes out there and uh, people I have not seen before. That that you're you might be on to something, Matthew. It's the school the school for Daniel High School football players who can't play football good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I I guess uh, I should say the the general vibe and attitude of today is a lot more up. Uh, uplifting and positive in comparison to last week uh me and matthew were talking earlier this week i guess misery loves company and and people love to be negative and that kind of stuff i'm I'm trying to check to get the most updated stat here but i'm almost certain last week's episode following 
Clemson's loss to South Carolina was the most listened to Nachos Analysis college football show of the season. So, so I guess we can just expect nobody to listen to this episode. Yeah, probably not. So actually, <laughs> so we're we're, ti- we're actually tied. We have the same amount of listens as we do episode one, the most listened to episode, uh, and this past week's against South Carolina. So we do appreciate all you listeners, and uh, don't just come around when we lose. Uh, <laughs> Hang around while uh, come celebrate with good. us. Yeah, yeah, celebrate with us, <laughs> um, Matthew. What were your uh, your general thoughts of of this past weekend? There were a lot of good uh, college football games, championship games. Clemson was fun to watch this weekend. Yeah, and for the first time in a while, I um, I'll save a lot of what I want to talk about with the game when we talk about like the stats and stuff from it when Faxon comes on later, but. Um, I I'll I'll own it straight up to everybody. I did pick North Carolina to win last week and it did not happen by a lot. So I'm not mad about it. Obviously, I did have a realization in the game. That I think Brandon Streeter was calling the same plays the entire time for both quarterbacks. They're just executing it differently and making different reads off of the same play call. So uh, Brandon Streeter, Cade Klubnick saved you your job. Nobody's calling for Brandon Streeter's head anymore. Yeah, that was uh, very quiet on the Brandon Streeter front this weekend. Uh, right after this week, I was researching uh, merch, and I made a just a joke design of a Fire Street shirt to put on our store, and then this happens. <laughs> Might have to hold on to that one for a little while. But, uh, no, it was uh, – I, I think I meant – during the interview with Faxon, but this was the first time since Wake Forest last year that I was excited to come home and watch the replay of the game. I was uh, stayed with my parents just outside of Charlotte. I got home around like 1.30 after the game was over and would have loved to stayed up and rewatched it like instantly as soon as I got home, but that, that was not an option. But <laughs> um, I, it was uh, fun to see uh the tiger the tigers having fun like uh just the way that they were playing all the the turnovers everything it was it felt like a completely different vibe and it looked like a completely different team than the uh the game we saw the previous week against south carolina so we finally saw a complete game put together from clemson and this is what it looks like and we could have been doing this all year well it's not that easy just to say we're going to put together a complete game but this is what the potential was all season yeah yeah what are your thoughts and i know a lot of people have been kind of questioning this were you what were your thoughts initially when Cade went into the game were you expecting just kind of like that deshaun watson trevor lawrence they get a drive and they come back out or what what was your initial thoughts well when dj was first in there the throws that he had to make were there to make and he just didn't do it it just seemed like he was kind of out or Mentally, I mean, like out mentally, it seems like his decision might have already been made up that he was leaving Clemson after this game. And it was kind of looking like Cade was going to come in. And like we were talking about last week on last week's episode, but Davos tune changed from the end of the South Carolina game. Like, no, DJ's our guy. And then as the week went on, it slowly got we're going to try and give Cade some meaningful looks. So. Uh, I think DJ saw the writing on the wall and he was probably mentally already out of Clemson before Saturday. So I think he was just there for a formality. He was there to pass the torch and he kind of knew it too. 
So he didn't really make the plays when he had to. When Cade came in, that first play where he uh, kept it on the RPO and then kind of slinged it out on the screen, like that's the athleticism and execution on play calling that we haven't seen since Trevor was here. Yeah, it was refreshing to see. Um, And on that note, DJ did hit the transfer portal along with a handful of other people. We'll discuss that here in a few minutes with the Twitter poll. Uh, But the topics for today's show, we go over our week 14 picks. Uh, I inch a little bit closer to catching up to Matthew. Uh, Then we discuss our Twitter poll. What Clemson transfer hurts the program the most or will have the biggest impact heading into next season? I'll give you those options here in a minute. And then as we mentioned, Facts and Childress of Facts on Sports with 105.5 The Roar joins us. Had the chance to uh, meet him Saturday at the game. But we've we've kind of followed each other for, I don't know, maybe a couple of years now at this point. And uh, went to go meet up with our, our friend of the show, Morgan Thomas, and Facts and was there. And I was like, I, th- I think I know who you are and kind of introduced myself. And he and I ended up um, hanging out the whole game. So... Excited to have him on later in the show. Then we discussed the final uh, playoff rankings. There was no TigerNet poll this week because it was the final poll and it came out on, on uh, Sunday. Then, as always, Factor Fiction. And then Matthew and I give out our Week 15 picks, which if you're keeping score at home, uh, it's getting closer and closer. And the only game to pick this week is Army-Navy, so we're going to give a favorite pick in that game. And we're each going to pick an over or under for that game before we kind of wrap it up, talk a little bowl game, and it'll be our last full episode for a little while. Uh, We'll have shorter bowl game episodes and that kind of stuff, give out picks and stuff like that heading forward until that December 30th matchup with Tennessee in the Orange Bowl. I did want to jump in and say, though, this is going to be the first complete episode that is going to be uploaded in real time on YouTube. Because I got extra time this week, I had time to do a project and I decided to use my project time to work on creating animations and graphics and stuff for our video version of the podcast. So you're not going to be able to see our beautiful faces yet. We might work on that for next season, but there will be a video that will come out on YouTube this week shortly around or after the actual episode goes out on Spotify. So be sure you're subscribed on YouTube and check that out and go leave a comment uh, if you're listening. We're dipping our toes into the world of YouTube. That's <laughs> uh, uh, Morgan Thomas has been kind of helping me out with some of the stuff that he uses when he makes his YouTube videos. He puts out great content. Um, so check that out. And I'm actually actively working to get some of that stuff together for a baseball podcast too. So baseball season quickly approaching i don't know i know clemson basketball is doing pretty well but uh i I can't i can't really get into it maybe once football season gets over yeah i have Um, not paid attention to basketball at all this year i've had a few opportunities to go to the games but rather just sit here and play video games honestly (laughs) (laughs) there was a gentleman in the stands repping a brown uh brad brownell shirt at the uh football game on saturday which i found quite that's what i'm changing the merch to yeah. Instead of streeter. I've always just thought it'd be cool just to print an orange shirt with a big brown L on it. <laughs> Simple to the point. Uh, no one other than Clemson fans will get it. Maybe even that'll go over some Clemson fans' heads. So. But week 14 picks. It was a rough week for Matthew. I did. I went 50%. Um, how about your picks there, Matthew? 
Yeah, I mean, that TCU game, even though I missed on the pick, uh, that was the game of the week. I don't know if you watched. I guess you were in Charlotte, so you might not have got to watch as much football uh, this week as I did. But that was the game of the week. I watched all of the big uh, conference championship games, at least. Uh, great from start to finish. Kansas State got it done when they needed to, and that's all they had to do. The one time of the year I picked against them, <laughs> and then they go out and win. So that was it's it's all right. Uh, You've been hyping up that Vaughn guy, and Saturday was the first time I got a chance to watch him. Isn't he so good? He's electric. He's He's insane. (laughs) I was having to watch that on my phone because I was at my parents' house, and apparently in the Charlotte area, Dish and ABC have some kind of contractor dispute. So there was it was literally my dad, my sister, and myself all sitting on different couches or chairs in the living room watching it on different devices while we had like <laughs> some smaller championship game on the TV. <laughs> no, yeah, that kid that kid is crazy. Like I think they were talking in the commentary of that game talking about he's like benching two twenty-five like twenty times and squatting like four eighty, ten to fifteen times. It's like this kid is five five, like or five six like he shouldn't be doing this but he like you said he is electric and he's quick he gets behind people and he makes a mess yeah absolutely um and uh my favorite did not hit this was uh i guess it was friday night the utah yeah, usc game uh with the um that that just did not go uh usc's way at all and i think that might have even started before the game when uh what's his face their quarterback had his fingernails painted i don't know if you saw that i did see uh, that a lot of people are pointing that out that he's a heisman finalist and right now the current betting favorite to win the heisman so it kind of seems like he's gonna get it people are like oh well he doesn't have character like he did this for this game last week it's like he has gave johnny manzel the heisman trophy <laughs> like character doesn't mean anything <laughs> No, a lot of people will push past someone's character in the sport of college football. Uh, you you had uh, the TCU Kansas State game for your favorite. I had that for my underdog Kansas State. I, I just had a feeling. I, I knew that um, TCU came into that game undefeated, but I don't know. Like I've mentioned before, it's hard to beat the same team twice. Kansas State pulled it out. That was that was an awesome game. Uh, came down to the the wire there at the very end. So yeah, and uh, a game that didn't come down to the wire is what I picked for my <laughs> underdog. Uh, that's LSU and UGA, uh, LSU or Georgia was favored by 17 and a half in that game. I picked LSU to cover. There was a small chance in there throughout the game where like eh, LSU might've been able to cover at least, but it, it wasn't even close Georgia and who I picked for my over actually Michigan just had cake walks for the conference championship and it kind of sucks to have teams like USC uh, play Utah, and then you have uh, Clemson playing North Carolina, who's a pretty pretty good team. TCU playing Kansas State, two really good teams. Like people were grinding yeah. for the conference championship, and uh, a couple of these bigger teams had cakewalks. Yeah, yeah. There was a, a brief moment where Purdue was kind of pushing, especially there in the first half. But, yeah, uh, I was kind of getting updates there on my phone. My over was UCF Tulane. Um, you went ahead and marked these colors. I was going to take your word for it. I don't even know what the score was in that game, but it is green it on was my a, sheet here. So It was a lot. It hit uh, 56 and a half pretty early, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, final for that was 45-28. 45-28, okay, yeah. That, uh, that went way up, well over. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure as I was watching it, because I turned off the Georgia game in like the second quarter because it got out of hand and uh, put on that game a little bit. So I was watching the score at least for you for that. But yeah, the only pick I hit this week was the over on the Michigan-Purdue game at plus or minus 52. You hit your over UCF Tulane, and then the, you did miss the under, which was LSU-Georgia under 51. You kind of thought it was going to be one of those slug-it-out SEC games, but that's did not, not really what we got. I didn't. I was kind of skeptical about that because LSU's defense isn't really what they were in 2007. I don't think LSU's defense right now is capable of having one of those grinded out games. Like they're just going to give up too many points. So no, that was one I I was able to stay at my parents' house and watch the TCU game. I think I saw like the opening drive for both LSU and Georgia. And then I hit the road to to Charlotte, which I made a critical error in driving to Charlotte fan fest was separated by one uh, street from the Charlotte Knights baseball stadium where they were having a Christmas light show. And what street did I turn down the road that goes right in between fan fest and the Christmas show. So, <laughs> um, once I got off the, the interstate, I only had about four or five blocks to go and it took me about 45 minutes, 50 minutes, uh, just to move those four or five blocks. So, um, I, I'm glad I left when I didn't, it did miss up most of the LSU Georgia game, but yeah, that was, uh, the, the, the season totals, come up to 16 for Matthew and 15 for me. So heading into this week, we're picking the Army-Navy game, the only game this week. It should be close. Matthew could pull away or I could uh, tie it up or take the lead here. So are we sticking with the punishment being going going to a Carolina game of some sort wearing Carolina gear? I mean, I'm okay with that. It, that like, could it be at Clemson if like they can't come to play a team here? We just have to dress in Carolina and go to it. Because I don't really want to go to Columbia. (laughs) Does anyone want to go to Columbia? Like, that's a punishment in itself. And then I have to wear South Carolina, too. No, I don't know. I feel like it'd be far more embarrassing to to do the the Carolina stuff in Clemson, too, especially with the risk of running into people you know. So, yeah. Yeah. what, What other opportunities do we have here in Clemson, I guess? Um, I guess the next, yeah, the next one would be baseball. So I guess you're not, you're not getting into the Cajun cafe and a cock shirt. They are not letting (laughs) that one happen. (laughs) Maybe a softball game or something. That's the only thing like I, I might could keep a shirt in my closet that says Cox on it just because it says that like, but if it has any other branding or any other ugliness on it, then I probably can't keep it. It's just a one-off straight to Goodwill. (laughs) All right, Twitter poll. What Clemson transfer hurts the program the most or will have the biggest impact heading into next season? Now, before I kind of get your thoughts on this, Matthew, I have to say there was there was a lot of participation. This was one of our bigger polls. I appreciate everybody who always uh, participates in these. If you don't follow us on Twitter, do so. Why are you listening to this podcast and don't follow us? Um, but there were a handful of people commenting and quote retweeting none of these are going to affect us at all. And I just think that's just like a dumb take. Like at the very least, these people that are included in this poll are uh, a part of the depth. So the options were DJ Uyungle, Kobe Pace, Fred Davis, and Kevin Swint. What was your thought here, Matthew? So I voted for Kobe Pace, but even though the running game this season really was fine without him, Everybody else on the list 
was kind of expected, maybe Fred Davis, but he didn't really get that much opportunity this year either. Um, he was kind of more of a high recruit that you were hoping for to develop, but he was getting passed up by freshmen so far this year and younger guys. Um, I do also think the fans are overreacting a little bit to the Kevin Swint news. I'm, I'm leaning more towards that it's not going to make that big of a difference for any of these four players to be gone. We have the DJ replacement. He, we knew he wasn't going to hang around if he wasn't going to be the starter. Maybe even if he would have started through the ACC championship, he might have been gone. Kobe Pace is a little surprising, but again, running game was fine this year without him. Fred Davis has that's a lot of depth that corner to lose that does suck a little bit but i mean overall i think we got some pretty good performance out of our corner room this so far this year and uh like i said about kevin swint that is depth but i never thought that kevin swint was gonna be the one of our main guys that we might you know become a first round draft pick the depth part of it is there but other than that i'm kind of on the on board with they're not going to make it's not going to be that big of a difference. Yeah, I the depth thing is the biggest thing for me and I know I probably will get a lot of flack and just say that I'm a DJ Homer, but the fact that you're losing DJ, we're going into this bowl game with two scholarship quarterbacks because we're losing we're losing two quarterbacks right now to a transfer. Say what you will about the DJ, but he's an experienced person. He's for the most part not going to lose you a game. Uh, and like Dabo said, uh, in the post-game press conference. We don't make it to the ACC championship without DJ, and we don't win it without Cade. So I think whether people will want to admit it or not, I think DJ leaving is a is a is going to affect things. But I, I'll say personally, the, the one that really, I wouldn't say upset, I wasn't heartbroken over it, but I, I do hate to see Kobe Pace leave. I, I, he was one of my, my favorite players. He had some injuries this year, great running back. And he was he was like one or two last season. So um, I'm going to say that um, I'm going to say I, th- I think I voted Kevin Swint in these. So um, just just for purely for the, for the depth. And I think I sent it out in a group text with y'all uh, this week. I'm, I'm wondering if Swint's decision to transfer means that some people we thought might be leaving are staying. So uh, that could be um, what happened there. Yeah, and especially if you get those guys that you're talking about, like Brissy, possibly Miles Murphy, and uh, XT coming back. Mm-hmm. If you like with those three coming back, the losing Kevin Swint, you're not even going to think about really. Like yeah. even even in the depth conversation, we're going to have guys coming in to play that role player backup type of role. So. It does hurt all the time when people transfer away from your program, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just part of the game nowadays. Yep, the game is a changing, um, and I can't even remember did we did we discuss last week that it got or it might not even been approved by last week, but we got a twelve team playoff coming in uh, in a couple of years. So um, I don't think I don't think it was announced when we had recorded last week. So uh, yeah, this is the first time we're talking about it, and they did include the first round buy for four conference champions, right? Yeah, Clemson would be a four seed this season if it were in effect. Which is pretty crazy, but I kind of yeah. I do like <laughs> I do like that that you're valuing the conference championships and you're getting more teams and I'm really excited for that. Like that is going to be 
a lot of fun. I really hope they put some of the prelim semifinals and uh, quarterfinal games at home fields. I don't know if they announced they that. Are. They are. Okay. They will. So the first, the top four teams get a bye, and the first rounds will be at the higher seeds uh, home stadium, which that honestly excites me the most to have playoff football at home stadiums potentially in places where they're not used to having games in December. Like you imagine a game in Wisconsin in December, <laughs> a playoff game, you get some team from Florida has to travel to Wisconsin to play in snow. <laughs> I think that's an advantage, but that's, that's Absolutely. kind of the fun that college football has been for a long time. It kind of brings back that aspect to it. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Next facts and Childress joins the show. All right, today we're joined by Faxon Childress, host of the Facts on Sports with The Roar. Thanks for joining us, Faxon. Yeah, it's great to be with you guys, Drew and Matthew. Uh, excited to hop on the podcast. Absolutely. It's, uh, I uh, went to go meet up with um, Morgan Thomas, friend of the show, and then happened to run into you on the sideline at, at the ACC championship game and know that we had followed each other for a little while, so it was good to uh, uh, meet up and, and watch the game with a good view on Saturday. Yeah, I just got blessed enough to be able to be on the field the whole game and the Jaden Lucas pick happening right in front of us and uh, Rook coming with the fumble right in front of us to celebrate as well. And we were kind of back bouncing back and forth the whole time, depending on which side of the uh, field the ball was on. So that was a surreal experience. I'll remember that one for the rest of my life. Yeah, I'm awesome. really jealous that I didn't get to go. <laughs> I felt bad when I originally discovered that we were on the field. I meant, I meant the text I sent in our token group. I was uh, meant to send to my family. I'm like, dang, I accidentally sent that to Matthew. I hope Matthew's not going to get FOMO. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, before before the game even started, you and I were talking faxing, and uh, you had uh, mentioned to me that you thought that um, we were going to see Cade Klubnik regardless of, of what DJ was doing on on uh, Saturday. And that ended up being true. What uh, What were your thoughts about the whole quarterback situation Saturday? Yeah, well, you know, it it, it was, you know, a fiasco the entire season with the quarterbacks, obviously club coming in to save the day against Syracuse. Uh, as everyone knows, uh, it was a pretty big moment for him. And then, you know, the ups and the downs of Cade Klubnik over the course of the season, as he comes in against Notre Dame and throws a pick, you know, inside the Tigers 20. So, you know, it was an up and down season for the kid. Uh, he didn't get a lot of looks, but Gabo did say that they planned to get him that third series uh, after the game and pregame. He had mentioned that they wanted to get him some meaningful snaps, I was under the assumption that it wasn't smoke just because, you know, the Tigers college football playoff hopes had seemingly ended. And as we know now into the orange bowl after defeating North Carolina in the ACC championship game. So I thought it was a, not a low pressure situation for Cade to get some reps, but at the end of the day, the Tigers were not playing for the college football playoffs anymore. It just seemed like a good spot for him to get in. He went in on the third series and didn't look back. And Matthew, you and I hadn't really even had a chance to, uh, to talk about the game since since Saturday night. What were your your thoughts on that? Um, from watching it on TV, the first the first thing that I came to mind watching it was that Clemson's defense looks pretty beat up. Like there's a lot of guys that were limping around out there, but they're still like playing hard. Um, but I'm glad we have the offseason part now to recoup some of these injuries. Um, and I'll go ahead and own it. But I did pick UNC to win the game. Uh, to be fair, I picked him with the assumption that DJ was going to get more opportunities, uh, but he didn't answer the call when he got the call. 
And I don't know if it was me, but the play calling seemed very different when Cade was in there. But I also kind of had a realization that maybe it was the same play calling the entire time. It was just the RPO reads, but we just weren't making the right reads or the plays on time, how the offense is supposed to be run, which was just throwing the whole offense off schedule. Um, So that's kind of a realization that I thought that Cade was just making the reads faster and they the offense was able to move on time because I mean even Joseph Nada had a good game on Saturday like when was the last time we said that so yeah it's it's been a little bit I it's one of those games where you can't necessarily point and say well because the offense did so well it kind of boosted the morale of the rest of the team and they played so well but in reality special teams defense um that we we allowed a lot of yards on defense but how many it was multiple turnovers down inside the um the the red zone that the defense or special teams came up with and uh i don't know i'd, I'd like to say maybe wishful thinking thinking that the quarterback changes kind of had an overall um spark to the team and uh people who listen to the show know that uh, i've been a, a big dj fan the whole time he, at this point now he is transferring uh but you have to like what you see with Kate. And then to your point, uh, Matthew, that UNC even thought we were going to be seeing uh, DJ the whole game. And that's what um, um, they said after the game. And I think that played a big role in, in Clemson's success uh, in the game is that they didn't even prepare for Cade. So uh, I wanted to get y'all thoughts on this. The last few games, 15 giveaways over the last five games for the Tigers uh, Clemson p- produced its first giveaway free game since October 15th against Florida State. Uh, I think that was huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I love this. And it was a major concern for me and why I picked North Carolina to win last week because we had not cleaned the tur- cleaned up the turnovers and it didn't seem like it was coming anytime soon. So it's really nice to see the ex- execution happen. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in full agreement there. And it was just... You know, I think a part of it as well is, you know, Matthew mentioned reading that RPO and it seemed like Cade was making the right decisions on a lot of RPOs. You know, you look at his stat line and it's impressive just on surface value, the 20 for 24 for 279 and a touchdown. But Cade Klubnik also led the team in rushing and those four incompletions that he had were all drops or you could argue that three of the four were drops as well. So he played a flawless game at the quarterback spot in my eyes. I'm, I'm, I'm aware that you got to take it with a grain of salt because this was against the North Carolina defense that does not rank well on a national scale and it ranks almost dead last in a lot of categories in the ACC scale. So, you know, to say that I think DJ Uyunglele would have lost this game, I think that's a bit extreme, but he struggled on the first two drives and Cade came out, you know, with his hair on fire. He played a really good ball game. So, you know, when you have stability at the quarterback position, it, it gives that confidence boost to all the other units, you know, and I'm not saying it's the reason that Will Shipley and Phil Moffat didn't fumble specifically, but there was a lot more emphasis on ball protection. It, it seemed like the Tigers were a lot more in unison, and it looked like we were watching a 2018 or a 2019 or a 2016 Clemson Tiger football game. And Matthew mentioned a little bit with the play calling as well. I don't think that the play calling was vastly different. I actually think that it was pretty similar. Um, and I think that Kay Klubnik just executes the offense in a different manner. You know, he has a different mannerism when going through his progressions. He has a different mannerism when reading that RPOs. He has more of the ability to tuck it and run outside of the RPO. The ball is out quicker with Kay Klubnik. And I think that is the, the main thing that I wanted to hone in on is the ball is out quicker. So the offense looked crisp. A lot of Brandon Schreeder criticism, you know, and myself included, I've been critical of him at times. But there's been no Brandon Schreeder criticism this week because the offense was absolutely humming against the Tar Heels. 
Yeah, that's uh, ever since I DJ took over against UGA, that's one thing. It was on the very first pick six that he threw against UGA uh, last year in the first game. But he you could see he like hesitated and pump faked on that's supposed to be a quick slant RPO quick read. And that was the story for DJ for me the rest of the time is the hesitation. And uh, you reiterated that. But the play calling isn't different. It's just the execution and the making the reads and the plays, I think, is what's different, which is I think it just is more play style, not a knock on DJ's ability. Yeah. yeah and, and, and the confidence thing, like you mentioned, Matthew, I, I went back and watched the game. First of all, this is the first game since probably Wake Forest last year that I was excited to go back and rewatch. That was a fun, that was a fun game. Uh, sat down and watched it. And I think Faxon, you got a text during the game telling you about it, but Molly McGrath reported at one point in time, either just before kickoff or whatever, that Dabo basically made an hour long montage of DJ playing well to show DJ to boost his confidence. And, um, that, I don't know, that just made me, <laughs> it was so cringy. That's the first thing I, that's the first time I've heard of this actually is right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's within the first couple of minutes of the broadcast, I believe. Um, switching it up just a little bit. Um, Clemson moved past Colorado, uh, for sole possession of the 11th most conference titles among current FBS programs. Colorado has been in the news this week with coach prime and either of y'all got any thoughts on, uh, prime time headed to Colorado. Uh, I think it's interesting. I'm excited for it because it's it's different. Uh, you know, there's a lot of college football programs that do thing in a, things in a similar fashion nowadays in the college football world. I wouldn't consider myself a big Dion fan. I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of the hire, but I'm excited to watch from an outsider's perspective. And for Colorado, you're one in 11. You may as well roll the dice on Dion because if he's able to, uh, you know, match that success that he had at Jackson State, really put HBCU football back on the map, was able to get five-star recruits, you know, like lucrative NIL deals for these players at Jackson State. He's got a lot more resources on his hands now coming into the Power Five. The Pac-12 is a conference that hasn't seen a college football playoff team since I want to say Washington in 2014 with Jake Browning. So this is a conference that struggled to make a college football playoff. I know it's getting expanded, but you know, for Dion, there is a path and he's been using the portal. Uh, I've heard over 200 players have reached out to him from the portal per sources. So people want to play for him. He's an icon to the, to the young generation. He's the best defensive back to ever play football. And he's clearly got a culture that he thinks will work if he can instill it across the country. Now I do have to say, I think he's using this as another stepping stone. If he can replicate that success, I don't think he's at Colorado for more than three or four years. If he is able to, you know, build that program up, I think he's holding out for that Florida state job. I think that's his dream job. He might not get there directly after Colorado, but I think this is a, another stepping stone in the coaching ladder for Deion Sanders. And I'm excited to see how this kind of new wave of college football formulates with him using the transfer portal and NIL to his advantage. Yeah, that's kind of my feelings, too, is I the one word I would say is I'm excited to see what he does there. Colorado was so bad this year. I think they ranked almost last in most statistical categories or at least the um, like next gen projection, those type of stats. Colorado is one of the worst teams in football this year, so uh, having a coach who was able to build a small program up to be undefeated this year, I think, or they might have lost one game, Jackson State. But uh, to, ha- to have a coach to be able to do that, I think you're right that he is going to go and try to prove that he can do this at a power five school now. And now then he's going to be able to try and get a, one of the big name jobs uh, later on down the line. Yeah, I don't I don't see Colorado being a, a place that Dion calls home for very long. 
Um, back to the, the Clemson side of things, uh, Coach Sweeney's received a lot of uh, criticism over the last couple of weeks this and this season in general, just with the way that the whole quarterback situation has been handled. I've had some frustrations. I know the two of y'all have had some frustrations, but a couple of things that kind of keep coming to mind. He has his eighth conference championship. He ties Frank Howard, um, and he passes Bob Stoops with 161 victories for sole possession of the second most victories uh, in the first 15 seasons of a head coach in FBS history. So there are times when I question and get kind of frustrated with the way Dabo does things, but he's proven that he can win, and uh, most of the time his decisions work out for him. Could you point to um, – uh, some mistakes with the way this is handled, I, th- I think so. And I think that uh, I-, I don't know that we'll ever know really the full story with that. Kate Klubnick, though, on Saturday, uh, 20 of 24, 279 with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown as well. Klubnick recorded a 19-yard reception on a pass uh, from running back Phil Moffa in the first quarter, uh, the longest reception by a Clemson quarterback since – DeShane Cameron in a 37-yard reception against Virginia in 91. Matthew, I know you like that one. I Yeah, I, this is the first time I've ever heard this name before, and I think Same. it's kind of rare sometimes that I hear, like especially a quarterback, a Clemson quarterback name from history that I've never heard before. DeShane Cameron, this is the first time I've heard of him. 91, that was a good year. <laughs> Clemson opened the game uh, 10 for 10 with 149 yards. Uh, for reference, and I, I meant to go back and try to see if I could timber it, and I did not have the time to do it. Uh, four uh, players threw a pass on Saturday. I have to imagine it's been a while since four players threw a pass in a game, but he went 10 for 10 his first drive. DJ, two for five on the day before he was pulled after the second drive. Moffa, one for one, and Johnson. Good to see Johnson, five for five. I know you were kind of clamoring for that last week, Matthew. It was kind of a meme, but, uh, you know, when you're having, like I said last week, when you're having quarterback troubles, might as well just throw anything you have at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Kind of switching over. Well, actually, before we switch over to defense, Cole Turner, how, what a game that he had. Uh, I I know when, when that first deep ball got thrown by Klubnik, it, A, it was a perfect pass and, and B, I, I remember looking at facts and I was like, is that a Sweeney that caught that ball? I thought so too. The first thing <laughs> I thought it was a Sweeney too. Uh, but uh, a, a true freshman and is still going to, to red shirt. Um, you have to like what you see out of him. It, and kind of with the, with the talk of club, Nick, the receivers looked really well around him. Turner being our first 100 plus yard receiver since Wake Forest last year. Uh, what were y'all's thoughts on the the receiving core Saturday night? I, th- I thought they played really well. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of questions about the Clemson receivers over the course of the season, and rightfully so. They've been flat out bad at times, but, you know, Cole Turner went up, made that big catch. He had another contested catch. It was absolutely huge for him. So I think that, you know, with Cade Klubnick, it- it's a different element. And it's a different vibe to the offense, obviously, but with Cade, I, I just like the I like the vibe I'm getting from a I'm gonna I trust my wide receiver and I'm gonna put him in a position to go make a play. I didn't feel a lot of confidence exuberated on any level of the offense when DJ Uyunglele was the Clemson quarterback. I thought things were always kind of we're gonna try not to lose and we're not gonna take shots and we're gonna play super conservative. Cade's out there slinging it, man. It, it's a different vibe. Cole was making plays. Uh, Brandon Spector had a big catch. Joe Ngata. Hi, this is the first time I've seen you since week six. So that was encouraging to see as well. And, you know, 
you know, with Randall had a catch, even Ty Herbstreit got in there. It, it was an all-around effort from the Clemson wide receiving core, and I'm really proud of them, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I said earlier whenever uh, we were talking about um, just intros to the North Carolina game, but even Joseph Nada had a good game in this game, and I think that just really speaks volumes to what Cade brings to the offense is his ability to, like Faxon was saying, get the ball out quick and uh, make the reads just to make plays. Like you're not necessarily trying to make every single play, but when the play is there, it has to be made. So uh, that's one thing that I think the offense is uh, executing really well at right now. Yeah, and then on the other side of the ball, the defense, like we mentioned, uh, the offense did a good job of holding on to the ball, not giving it up. The defense, on the other hand, uh, three turnovers, which started with Rucororo. Um, he got a fumble recovery right there in the end zone. Jeremiah Trotter, three sacks on the game uh, and nearly doubled his career high season uh, of six and a half. Uh, the three sacks was an ACC record. And then probably who I, I assume is your favorite defensive player, Faxon, Nate Wiggins. He, after after so much scrutiny after the Wake Forest game and people kind of writing him off, and, and um, I would say unfairly so, he had a game. Cornerback uh, Nate Wiggins, two pass breakups and interception, uh, and that one that he returned for a touchdown hurt himself the play before, and I was like, ooh, is he going to come out of the game? And then literally the next play – take it to the house i believe it was 98 yards and he um, had a block field goal in there also yeah um i can't remember if you were standing right there with me at the time faxon but it was after a touchdown or something wiggins ended up running to go and celebrate with somebody on the field and when he jumped up to like bump hips with the other person somebody yeah. hit him in the mouth with a helmet so yep. not only did he hurt his leg he was puking on the sideline he got hit in the face uh, and had his best game of the season. What are y'all's thoughts on how Wiggins has uh, uh, performed this year? I'm just, I'm just proud of him. Uh, I'm proud of Nate. Uh, it, it's been a battle. You know, he had the worst game of his life against Wake Forest, and that was a game in which he had the game-winning pass breakup. People forget about that. He he went big on that fourth and 20, I think it was, at Wake Forest. I don't really remember. I was up in the press box taking that one in and almost having a heart attack trying to watch that game. But, you know, Wiggins has continued to battle over the course of the season. He's got all the traits to be a great Clemson defensive back, and he could take that Andrew Booth trajectory to the NFL. He could take that Mario Goodrich trajectory to the NFL and find himself on a roster. He just exuberates so much confidence on the field. He's going to bet on himself every time. He's got really good instincts with the ball, and people aren't afraid to challenge him. And I don't understand why people keep throwing at him. The last five weeks or so, he has been locked down in man-to-man coverage. He's starting to get a better grasp of what Wes Goodwin wants from him in zone coverage as well. And he's starting to play those zones a little bit better. And he's not afraid to get physical and make big tackles either. That's a part of his game where he's really come on strong. Last year, he couldn't tackle me. This year, it's been a strength for his game. So, you know, he's continuing to progress. This offseason, I'm really excited to see, you know, maybe he puts on another five to 10 pounds and becomes even more physically imposing. His feet are going to get quicker, you know, Hope he stays healthy this entire offseason and just continues to grow as a player because if he's a four-year guy, that senior year could be scary. You could be talking about one of the best defensive backs in America. I, I'm that high on Nate Wiggins. And uh, kind of going back to what Drew was talking about, uh, I'm shocked that news hasn't come out about him tearing a ligament uh, in the ACC championship game because I, I texted Drew right when it happened. I assume you guys were in the end zone around where that happened. But uh, like right before the pick six he his knee buckled 
for the for the people who don't know who are listening. Uh, and he got up like limping around. He kind of got slow, but North Carolina ran hurry up and didn't sub. So he had to like line up and play the next play. And I was like, oh, my gosh, they're going to target him. He's limping. He has a torn ACL out there and he gets a pick six and starts running down the field. And I, you could tell on the rundown that he was he was limping a little bit and kind of compensating with that but uh what an amazing game for like when was that have you ever heard a stat line like that for a db before uh four pass break is a pick six uh and a blocked field goal that's incredible yeah Yeah. and 98 yard return interception for that matter too yeah you could tell right there around the 50 yard line he kind of slowed up a little bit and i was like oh there's no way he's running it back but he still pulled it out and uh took it to the house on the um on the uh, defensive side of things, Clemson has scored a defensive touchdown in consecutive games for the first time since doing it three times in 1990 against NC State, Wake Forest, and North Carolina. So that was a, a three consecutive week against teams from North Carolina. Before we let you go, Faxon, we really appreciate you coming on. What uh, What are your thoughts heading into this Orange Bowl with uh, Tennessee? I'm picking the Tigers by two touchdowns. I know it's a bit bold. I know that Tennessee was the number one team in the country at some point. Their defense is not very good, especially their pass defense. I think they're going to have multiple opt-outs. Um, you know, obviously Clemson's had people hit the transfer portal. Tennessee's had a few hit the transfer portal as well. Last year, Tennessee had a lot of opt-outs in their bowl game against Purdue, which ended up being an absolute classic. I forgot what the name – maybe that was the Music City Bowl or something, but that game was a cla- an instant classic. Um, I, Clemson didn't have any opt-outs last year at the Cheez-It Bowl that were not transferred. So I'm expecting a lot of these Clemson guys to play. That's why I'm picking Clemson by multiple scores. I think we're going to see opt-outs for Tennessee. And also, I'm just excited to watch Cade Klubnick sling it down in Miami, man. It's It's been a long time coming. Uh, I've been a big advocate for Cade, not and not out of a, play, a place of hate for DJ, but more just because I think he was the better fit within the scheme. I think DJ is going to have success next year somewhere else where he has a scheme that fits him a little bit better. But, you know, I'm just excited to watch Cade sling it and hope the Tigers put up a lot of points. Hope it's an entertaining game. It might be bad to say from a fan's perspective, I don't really care if they win as long as I have fun watching it. Last week was the last time I had fun watching the Tigers in this entire tenure of two years. I, there, there haven't been many games where I can say I've genuinely enjoyed watching it. So I'm excited to watch because I know it's going to be a fun watch. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. It's going to be very orange down in Miami on November 30th. Uh, Faxon, thank you again for uh, hopping on with us to our listeners. Check him out on The Roar uh, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, correct? Or Wednesdays? Uh, yes. Tuesdays, Tuesdays and Wednesdays, Wednesdays from uh, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern on The Roar. Yes, sir. And occasionally on ESPN3? Occasionally on ESPN Plus doing some, uh, some Furman basketball, some USC Upstate basketball, just trying to stay busy. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, Faxon. Yeah, appreciate you guys. All right, thanks to Faxa for joining the show. Uh, seriously, if you do not uh, listen to his show or follow him on Twitter, check it out. Uh, he has a lot of great content. Um, he was putting out a lot of great content this Saturday at the ACC Championship game as well. Um, he's, he's someone who travels. He gets a chance to go to most of the games, even the away games, so uh, always putting out good content. Uh, but next, the final college football playoff rankings – Without the top 10 here by now, you've heard of it. You know where everybody's going, that sort of stuff. But Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, Ohio State 4. Alabama at 5, where they had Nick Saban on camera vying for why Alabama should be included in the playoff, which that just made me cringe because that goes oh. against everything Nick Saban has ever stood for. No, they did it on – I don't know if you watched any of the Big Ten championship game either – but uh, during that game, the Fox News crew had Nick Saban come on and he was doing the same little shilling like, 
you know, I think if it, if the goal is to get the best four in, then uh, we're one of the best four. And it's like, well, then why'd you lose to two teams that have also lost to teams? Yeah, um, you're obviously not one of the best four. Just take it with pride and grow from it. But I did see something funny today. It's not really funny, but um, kind of random about Nick Saban that kind of reminded me. But there was it was like a stat that was talking about coaching. Um, coaching drop off after the age of 65 and like obviously they're like the greats like Tom Brady and Tiger Woods and like they're exceptions to father time a little bit but like eventually time is going to win so uh, it's just wondering if time is finally catching up to Nick Saban he went way past six or seven years past when normal coaches performance starts to drop off and is just now starting to see a drop off it's still impressive he's still the greatest coach of all time but i thought i just thought it was an interesting stat the maybe time is catching up with nick saban yeah i uh personally i am not gonna write nick saban off he still scares me uh, i thought <laughs> after after dabo won two national championships they had a couple they had a down year or so there i thought dabo was kind of replacing him and then we've we've seen that has not been the case and uh, I, I look for Alabama to continue to be in the conversation. He, you, you, you could be onto something. It could be, I mean, because at that age and the grind that it takes to coach a team at that level, has got to take its toll on you. Uh, rounding out the top ten, uh, number six Tennessee, number seven Clemson, Utah at eight, Kansas State at nine, and Southern California at ten. Uh, did you have any qualms with uh, this top ten, or what were your thoughts on them? No, I didn't really have any issues with it. Again, I'm. A little upset about Alabama being ahead of Tennessee just because of the head-to-head and resume for Tennessee honestly looks better. USC really might have screwed Georgia's national championship hopes here by losing to Utah because that made Georgia's play-in game a lot more difficult instead of playing USC to have to play Ohio State instead. I'm really excited for that game because I think it's uh, going to be some fireworks, Ohio State, Georgia. So uh, maybe one of the best semifinal games we've ever seen. Yeah, this is going to be a conundrum for me because I do not enjoy pulling for Georgia and absolutely hate Ohio State. So I guess I'm pulling for Georgia in that semifinal game only to turn around and pull for pull against them in the national championship game if they were to make it there. I don't really have too many qualms here. It's kind of interesting, Clemson and Tennessee right there together. And TCU, my, my only complaint with TCU, they, they, they went through the whole regular season undefeated. Um, a couple of years ago, or was it like five or six years ago, they got left out of the college football playoff. And a big part of it was that they didn't play them and Baylor. They didn't play a conference championship game and it hurt them there. They have a playoff game or a championship game. Now they play it and lose and it doesn't hurt them. They stay at three. So I do prefer seeing them there over a two loss Alabama team. Cause I don't think Alabama should have gotten in there, but, and then that, then you get to this predicament where you're ranking the top four teams, but then you're also trying to make sure that you're not getting rematches and that kind of stuff. Personally, I think Ohio State should be at three, TCU at four, but they're avoiding that Ohio State-Michigan semifinal game there. Yeah, we saw how that one went the first time, but obviously it probably would be different the second time. As far as Clemson goes in the final, or like final at the end of the regular season, college football playoff ranking, finishing at seven with an ACC championship, 
and an opportunity to move up at least one spot at the last, the final rankings. I mean, you got to be happy with that. It's really impressive considering how up and down the team was this year, because it feels like we could have very easily gone eight and four. Yeah, absolutely. This season could have just as been easily as been like what last season was. If I were to tell you like immediately following that South Carolina game that the very next week Clemson's going to blow out an opponent in the ACC championship and finish in the final rankings seventh. Like in my mind, the world was over for Clemson on after losing to South Carolina. So you have to consider this a success. The way that the Tigers came out, they made the switch to Cade. And now you're looking at uh, a top seven ranking. You're playing the six ranked Tennessee team down in Miami. I'm kind of with Faxon on that one. Not that we're giving out picks now yet, but the fact that Tennessee is likely going to have some opt outs, uh, not the they're not going to have Hooker that that was a big part of the the spark to their offense. So, as a Clemson fan, I'm really looking forward to this game. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling pretty positive about it also because of that. I like it, Clemson might have some opt outs this year, but I think Davo's going to be does a pretty good job of making sure that these players are bought in to what they're going to do and they're going to finish strong. Even like even the seniors and people who are draft hopeful. So yeah, excited about that. Fact or fiction. If Cade entered the game in the second half against South Carolina, the Tigers would have won and we would be talking about a playoff berth. I'm going fiction here. I'm honestly really tired of seeing this on Twitter. Just think back to the last time we tried to let Cade jump into the game and save us. And that was Notre Dame, and it didn't really go that well. So there's plenty of things that Clemson could have done better against South Carolina that didn't constitute making a quarterback switch. And I'm so upset at myself that I said that out loud because I sound just like Dabo. (laughs) I'm going to say fiction as well. Um, Similar to you, like early on, like Clemson was running the ball. They had a 14-point lead there there wasn't a, a chance or a need to put Cade in. It worked out perfectly this past Saturday against North Carolina because it, was, it wasn't a nail-biter already. It, the, the, team, the Clemson Tigers were not reeling at that point. Putting, bringing Cade into that situation would be similar to bringing him in another situation. Uh, I really hate the way that they handled the Notre Dame thing. And Dabo said after the UNC game that their plan was for him to kind of take over there. Well, it didn't seem like you were too cons- uh, that they were too uh, set on their ways there with that because they literally put him in for that one play and then pulled him back out and we haven't seen him again since. So I think the way they handled Cade this week would have set him up for success and we could have poten- Clemson could have potentially won the game against South Carolina, but that would not have happened the way that game transpired. So I'm also going to say fiction. Yeah, I mean maybe say after uh Syracuse you start Cade it might be a little different you might be looking at a different season from there but uh making the switch in the middle of the South Carolina game wasn't changing that game we still just needed to run the ball and we could have won don't tell everybody on Twitter and message boards that they don't want to hear that (laughs) we would have won that game and we would be in the playoffs woulda coulda shoulda yep fact or fiction the real MVP Saturday night was Nate Wiggins I'm going to say fact here because how many players have finished with the stat line of a blocked field goal, a pick six, and two pass breakups? 
it's about as good as it gets for a DB stat line. And uh, I'm not taking away from Kate getting the MVP because obviously he was very deserving. He changed the game on the offensive side of the ball when he came in. It looked like a completely different team than the last few weeks. So not taking anything away from Cade, but Nate Wiggins have a day. I would like to agree with you. I, I think I think it's well-deserved for Cade. I don't think the game goes as well as it does had we not inserted him there. Um, it just is unfortunate that the day that Nate Wiggins has the biggest game in his career is also the day that there's a regime change at the quarterback there and um, true freshman steps in and has a, a great stat line. But honestly, though, I mean, Nate was probably the highlight of that game, and I enjoyed watching him. He was so he was playing with passion. He was having fun. Uh, like I mentioned there, I think, in the interview with Faxon, on top of getting hurt and, and all this stuff, dude's puking on the sideline. He gets smacked in the face with a helmet celebrating towards the end of the game. He, he was just having fun. Uh, but so I, I, would, I, say, I say fiction. It's just unfortunate his great day was also the same day as uh, Kate Clubman made that step. Fact or fiction, Dabo dips his toe into the transfer portal this offseason and brings two-plus guys into Clemson. I'm only saying fact because I'm trying to will it into existence. You can't compete in today's landscape by just ignoring transfers. I understand that Dabo likes to do things a certain way, but when that starts holding you back, you either adapt to it or you die out. And we're going to see where Dabo makes his decision on whether he's going to die out or adapt. There has been rumors that he's kind of reached into the portal and Clemson's been in communication with a few players, but no official offers have been made at the time of recording this. But I don't know. We'll see. I am also going to say fact, not because I'm hoping. I think it's. I think it's just is going to happen uh, with the the way the wide receiver room has been uh, this season. The way that um, you're you potentially losing some guys at defensive line. I think they're definitely going to have to go to the portal for that. And I think uh, rumor was that that he had his eye on two offensive linemen in the portal last year, and they just did it didn't work out. Uh, so I think that um, you're definitely going to see. Two or three guys uh, uh, transfer to Clemson, which will be quite interesting. It'll be something we're we're not used to. I I understand that the game is changing, and I, you obviously have to adapt, like you're saying, Matthew. Uh, and for years, I've kind of been on the the same mindset that Dabo has. I, I like he has a way he likes to do things. He likes to build the culture and that kind of stuff. But in this college football era you're going to have to you're going to have to take transfers there there's a thousand plus guys in the transfer portal right now yeah and a lot of them aren't going to find a home Mm -mm. and to just leave talent out there i mean maybe some of the people who don't find a home don't have the talent that we need here but you're just leaving free talent out on the table pretty much and if we don't dip into the portal this year we're going to have leftover or leftover scholarships that we're just going to Give to Give Daniel, Daniel High School. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I don't want that. I'd rather take a transfer. But I did have just some ran- another random like side note throwback story. While I was this question kind of prompted me to research because I was trying to see like Georgia, for example, the last two to three years has had pretty good sustained success. So I wanted to look at their activity in the transfer portal. And obviously every year they have 
you know, a handful, like 10 or so guys transfer out. But uh, they take in three to four guys from the transfer portal every year also. But it reminded me I saw a name. How sad is the Jamie Newman story? For those of you who don't know or don't remember, uh, Jamie Newman was the quarterback at Wake Forest and had a really good year at Wake Forest. And then for his graduate senior year, transferred to Georgia then COVID happened and Jamie Newman was being hyped up before that season, being talked about uh, being a first round draft pick. If he was able to have any bit of success with Georgia at quarterback, he was going to be a first round draft pick. And he decided to opt out the COVID season in 2020, went undrafted in 2021. So uh, just kind of crazy that that man made one decision that cost him millions and an entire different life. So uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. It was just a random thing I came across when looking up stuff. No, I completely forgot about that till you brought it up too. And he, uh, he just flat out just like left too. Like he didn't, did he go into the NFL draft? For some reason, I thought I remember as you were talking about it, that he just ended up just like quitting the team or something and then never ended up transferring somewhere else. Or am I missing, or am I thinking of someone else? I don't know if that's, I might be thinking of somebody else. I could be forgetting too, but uh, from my memory is that he transferred to Georgia, was billed to be the starting quarterback, and that was the same offseason that Georgia had JT Daniels transfer in. Um, But Jamie Newman was billed to be the starter, and people were saying, you know, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. Like, he was on a great team. He brought a dimension to Georgia's offense that they have not had, and they've not had for a very long time i thought that it was going to be great for georgia and he opted out like a few players did and it worked out for some players who opted out of the mm-hmm. 2020 season but this is not one of those stories yeah and kind of on the trend of georgia quarterbacks jt daniels is transferring yet again so if he gets picked up he will be on his fourth team in the last four or five years uh, walt Deptuler tweeted this week after it was announced that jt daniels was was uh transferring he was like there's only 47 more states left for you to hit <laughs> he's just doing the the tour around he's america california georgia west virginia yeah where oh i guess yeah the and next one would be his fourth next yeah. yeah um and then stetson bennett dude is the same age as lamar jackson and lamar jackson has been <laughs> in the league for how many years lamar right. jackson was playing against clemson until in 2016, 2016. yeah <laughs> yeah and Stetson Bennett is freaking 25 years old, same age as Lamar Jackson right now. That that one kind of baffled me. Yeah, I mean, since we're talking about Stetson Bennett, do you have any thoughts? I know there's been a lot of thoughts about uh, Stetson being a Heisman finalist. I'm not too mad about him being there because the story is really inspiring. But what has he done that any other quarterback plugged into his situation could have done? I asked some of my Georgia friends they were talking about how they hope he wins and how cool it would be. And it would be cool for a former walk on to win it. But at the same time I asked, they were talking about Max Duggan. And I said, do you think Stetson Bennett could have been the backup at the starting at the beginning of the season for TCU starter gets hurt? Do you think Stetson Bennett could step in and lead TCU to an undefeated season? And they said, they both said no, no, I don't either, which is like, Stetson is good for what he is, and he's a great role player and game manager for this team. He just literally has an NFL roster around him. 
playing against high school teams. Yeah, and I th- I think I think Hooker, I don't even, Hooker didn't get invited. Didn't do no, it, he didn't. I I think he was much more deserving um, than Bennett. I I really don't. I I do like Bennett's story and that kind of stuff. But I agree with you. He's got a lot of pieces around him, but. Tennessee season ended when Hooker went down, and, um, and that's uh, I don't know that's a similar type thing. If if Lamar Jackson went down in those Louisville teams, Louisville would have been hot garbage. Um, yeah. Then he made he made the team, so uh, that's kind of really my only thought about it as it relates to Hendon Hooker. Well, and it does really suck for Hendon Hooker not even getting invited to New York. That I mean, if you ask anybody in college football in October, who's the Heisman? front runner right now it's Hendon Hooker and then he gets hurt and misses like one game and isn't even invited to New York it really sucks for him I mean I guess he just shouldn't have gotten hurt if he really wanted the Heisman he didn't give all of all those points to uh, <laughs> South Carolina <laughs> so yeah I, I I'm pretty disappointed in uh the snub of yeah. Hendon Hooker but um hopefully we won't have to see him in the Orange Bowl yeah, I, I don't think I don't think we will. Uh, week fifteen picks. Matthew and I are kind of changing it up this week uh, with there only being the Army Navy game going on. So uh, we're picking this game twice. We're each giving out either a favorite or an underdog, and then we're giving out a over or a under. You going with the favorite Navy or you going with the underdog Army? I am going with Army to win the game, and Cut. or the. Over under, I am gonna go with the under, even though it's only thirty two and a half. <laughs> I was looking that at their season. I was looking at their season stats, and it's like both teams are averaging like three hundred rushing yards a game, but like less than a hundred passing yards. I was a little hesitant to pick Navy or to pick Army because their defense allows a lot of rushing yards, also, but Navy's doesn't. So. I don't know how that's going to work out. I just wanted to pick a random team because I'm not going to watch this game. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I too am going Army plus two and a half. Did you say I completely missed it? Would you going with the over or under for thirty two and a half? I'm picking the under. The under. Okay, so yeah, under thirty two and a half. I was looking at the stats, like as I was looking at how many rushing yards and how many points per game these teams score. No way. No yeah. way. <laughs> Okay, so uh, you and I are going to agree on Army plus two and a half. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say over. I don't know. I know. I know this is Army Navy, but come on, thirty two and a half points. Some get me I was to thirty three. So the stats that I was looking at, Navy is averaging ninety one passing yards this year per game, two hundred and thirty nine and a half rushing yards. Uh, Army is averaging 81 passing yards per game and 304 rushing yards per game. I'm pretty sure 304 leads the nation, which is one of the reasons why I picked them to win the game. Uh, On defense, Navy allows 270 passing yards per game and uh, 85 rushing yards. That's a pretty good rushing yard number to have. And then back over to Army, Army allows 172 passing yards which is 100 less than navy allows but we know navy's not going to pass the ball and uh they allow 193 rushing yards per game which is pretty much double or over double what navy allows so it's going to be a slugfest just great classic wing t football 
I am not going to watch it at all. I'm taking a break of football this week. <laughs> <laughs> I'll probably have it on. That's it's one of those games that I kind of watch for the the pageantry and that kind of stuff, but it's definitely not one of those ones that really gets me excited based on the play on the field. Uh, so just to uh, confirm, both uh, Matthew and I are both going Army plus two and a half. Matthew's taking the under thirty two and a half, and I'm taking over thirty two and a half. So uh, the only way one of us is gaining ground on each other uh, is based on this over under here. So I could tie it, and Matthew could take a two point lead. We'll see. All right, before we let you go, just wanted to talk a little early bowl game thoughts. Uh, the seventh ranked Tigers will face the sixth ranked. Tennessee Volunteers in the Capital One Orange Bowl on Friday, December 30th. It'll be an 8 p.m. kickoff on ESPN. It will be Clemson's seventh all-time Orange Bowl appearance and its first since appearing in the college football playoff semifinal uh, in 2015. The Tigers are 4-2 all-time in the Orange Bowl. There's a lot of great moments in Orange Bowl games. Yeah, I mean, thinking back to uh, that win against Ohio State, that was 40-35, to I believe, in 20. 13 Sammy Watkins had like 16 catches in that game the Clemson record mm-hmm. uh, you think about um you know the Orange Bowl against West Virginia was a great time <laughs> <laughs> it did wonders for our program it did um we won the national championship in 81 in the Orange Bowl can't think of some of the others off the top of my head well I will say that um 2013 one and then 2015 one i both i watched both of those in buffalo wild wings i uh emily and i watched the the ohio state one it was a 2013 but i think it actually occurred on in 2014 when i was looking it up this week i'm pretty sure there's two orange bowls that say 2014 just because of the way (laughs) the calendar worked out but um emily and i watched that at buffalo wild wing and we were the only clemson fans and uh uh, that it, I don't know. I back back in the the day, I was very superstitious. I would wear the same things that I wore with previous matchups. I like to just do the same thing. So when Clemson had the opportunity to play Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, happened to be out of town. We went to the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, in Columbia. Uh, the fine folks of Columbia down there, the two Gamecock fans, got in a fight with somebody at the bar while we were <laughs> sitting in there. Uh, it's an interesting time, but yeah. Two classics. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for this matchup. If you would have asked me last week how excited I was to play Tennessee, I would have said zero percent. But after after the quarterback switch and after how we performed and the whole team performed against North Carolina, it feels like there's another fire underneath them. Like it's a new team. They finally have an identity. They finally put a complete game together. So I'm excited. We've talked about it with facts in that. Tennessee's probably going to have some opt-outs here. Hendon Hooker isn't playing. He was a big part of their success early in the year. Clemson has a really good opportunity to win this game and uh, put a stamp and say that they are not, they are number two on the tier list of the three teams, South Carolina, Clemson, and Tennessee, not at the bottom of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then South Carolina, speaking of them, they got Notre Dame, the two teams that happened to beat Clemson this year. It was interesting how that worked out, that we got... Our bowl game is two teams that South Carolina beat this year, and their bowl game is two teams that beat us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funny how that works out. Uh, I'm hoping that with the long break here that um, South Carolina and, and Spencer Rattler have a moment to cool off and, and Notre Dame will uh, take care of business. Yeah, I honestly, I haven't thought about that one too much, but 
thinking about it, I don't expect South Carolina to be as hot as they were. They do have a lot of momentum, but this is a lot of time off before that game that a lot of time to just lose your momentum. So got to stay crisp in practice. Yeah. Well, listeners, thank you for joining us yet again for another episode. Like we mentioned, uh, we're going to be doing shorter episodes the next couple of weeks before we do a full-on, full-length episode previewing the Orange Bowl. As always, if you don't follow us on all the various social media platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, like Matthew said, he's putting out a uh, the full episode video for it this week on YouTube. Definitely check us out. We're, we're so close to reaching 2,000 followers on Twitter, so help get us over over that edge But before New Year's. That'd be kind of nice. So. Yeah, thank you guys again for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was a really great season. Um, this is kind of the end of the season episode, but not really. Uh, just kind of uh, in between, but it's the end of the regular season. Uh, thank you guys again for listening. Follow Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Instagram. I think I said Instagram twice. YouTube. <laughs> Uh, all of all of it, it'll all be linked in the description of the podcast. And uh, we hope that you guys have a great holiday season. We will be back for shorter episodes next week. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace. Good job bringing it home there. <laughs> My communication to... skills have been way off today. My mind's been so cloudy.